Welcome back, Husker fans, to episode 60 of Generation Red, a Husker podcast. We are your favorite father-son duo, and we hang out each week to bring you the kettle corn of Husker fan podcast, where our hope is to use a perfect blend of sweet and salt-seasoned speech to give you all the tasty and thoughtful podcast. That was some serious cheese factor, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm your host, Ken. Hey, I am your host, Scott. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. And we're welcoming a newbie to hanging out on a podcast with anybody, I'm guessing. He's only listened to them, as he was telling us before we started the show. And thank God he actually listens to ours. Uh, Kevin, uh, another fella that happens to work in the RV transport industry like I do. Buddy, welcome to hanging out with us on Generation Red. I'm sorry it's under the circumstances of talking about the Michigan game, but we're glad you're here anyway. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Appreciate you me. So what what uh, got you into doing what I'm doing? I mean, I know you do a little different version of it. You actually haul things on a trailer, whereas I just hook up to them and drag them somewhere. Uh, what got you into the RV transport industry? Actually, I did start uh, originally in the same fashion that you're hauling right now. Is uh, I did it for a little just a little extra little extra money. My daughter plays. Uh, some competitive volleyball and it can be kind of taxing. It can be kind of not taxing, but expensive and just trying to offset some of that cost. So I decided I'd do that. And this has kind of grown into its own thing uh, as I've learned and saw some of the nuances and how to make a little bit more money and saw an opportunity that I can uh, potentially do this full time and be home a little more surprisingly. Isn't it nice? It is nice mm -hmm. to be home a lot more. And really you kind of have a choice of where you go and when you yes. go there. I mean, it's, Shoot, it's awesome. I absolutely love it, except for the the current slowdown, which hopefully picks up after the first of the year. But uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah. so I imagine you probably listen to a lot of Husker podcasts. What are some of your favorites? Besides, of course, ours being your absolute favorite. <laughs> um, obviously, I like to go big red cast. Uh, mm -hmm. You can put me on the spot here. Um, <laughs> That's uh, what we do. Yeah. That's I, our job. <laughs> Oops, and then we lost you. Back, my back. Oh, there you go. There yeah, you okay. are. Sorry, I can't. I can't cheat. I was, I was switching over to go look. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, the Nick Bob podcast. I like the okay. Doc Pot. You know the Doc, Doc Talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You like yourself, that, Hail Varsity. Yeah, I like Hail Varsity. Absolutely, I like the I eighty. Um, Okay. I really yeah. like listening to that. Uh, do you uh, do you by chance subscribe to the Eyes on Big podcast? I that is a that is a mainstay for me. Those oh, guys very are very awesome. well. So, Good. Those even, guys are awesome. Yeah, with with DS being on there now, and mm -hmm. and while he's doing it, he, it's they didn't miss a beat. They're they're rock stars. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah, and, DS makes us better whenever he's on yeah. here. <laughs> he yeah. makes us so much better because he's just so easy to talk to. And so natural and capable at, at just pulling facts out of his tailpipe that we don't even think about. So uh, DS yeah. is awesome. Je Jeffrey's great. They're funny. Yep. Uh, they like to make each other laugh a lot, which really is is enjoyable. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Go Big Redcast, all those guys. And I don't know if you know about it, but they're doing a live live stream live show at the Hale Varsity Club. If you happen to be anywhere near Omaha, Nebraska, on next Friday. They're going to be Friday. at the Hale Varsity Club, so okay. the 18th, this coming Friday. Sorry, so we're I've going. Got, I've got tickets to the uh, to the game. 
So, oh, do you? So do we. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, nice. we do too. So make sure then if you think you're going to get in by Friday and you want to go to the Hale Varsity Club and at all, you probably need to go to their website and reserve a table. I had to. So, okay. Anyway, um, yeah, they're, those guys are awesome. I just spent quite a long time with Honky at mm. uh, Jake's Cigar Thursday night. So, and uh, just talking about podcasting, about Husker football and, you know, what I thought was an hour chat turned into four. So <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's, awesome. a, he's a wealth of knowledge that it, it, it amazes me the, mm-hmm. the ability to, uh, to pull that, that data points in midstream and just remember he's it got like it, it all it right yesterday. Here. It's yeah. just amazing. He's just got it all so quick and, and you can't, you can't stump him on anything. Oh, uh, the guy's not. just amazing. Um, and one of the coolest, nicest, most genuine people you'll ever meet too. Just can't, can't beat meeting a guy like that and hanging out with a guy like that. So, um, I suppose all the pleasantries aside, (laughs) we should move on to why we're really here, which is to talk about, talk about, um, the Michigan game. So what we usually do, Kevin, I know you've listened for a while. We usually kind of give our overall impressions on the Michigan game and we've both kind of written down some bullet points that we're going to talk about and we'd love to have you give your, give your input. So Scott, why don't we just do things a little different this time? I'll go throw out my first one, let you guys comment on it, and then we'll go on to your first one and we'll see how quickly we get through these. Okay. Sound like a plan? Yep. All right. Sounds good. Well, my first overall thoughts of the game was this. It was, it was kind of a compilation of the last three games. And that is that Nebraska's averaged only five points a game since Casey Thompson got hurt. And in my mind, the blame for that falls squarely on the shoulder of the offensive coordinator, who is also the quarterback coach, because he has really let his backups down and has not obviously prepared them for uh, being in the spotlight when necessary. And the way Chubba plays, he looks nervous. Uh, maybe he missed on this quote-unquote can't-miss prospect as well. So that's my first thing that I thought of as I was kind of preparing for this show. Scott, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll actually take one of my bullet points because it actually coincides with uh, what you just said, um, talking about game averages. Um, I really hate to say this, but Trey Palmer's draft stock has plummeted. Um, And that might actually bode well in our favor, weirdly enough, for 2023 if he doesn't get drafted. Um, He's still a great prospect, of course. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes it to a practice squad somewhere. But... Mm -hmm. um, for the first seven games of the season, Palmer averaged 111.5 yards per game. Um, and in the last three games alone, he's averaged only 16.6 yards per game. Um, and my point being that that's because Casey Thompson is not our quarterback now. Um, and to kind of add on to that, we did play against three really good defenses the last three weeks, Illinois, Michigan, and Minnesota. Um, but selfishly, I kind of want to see what, uh, Palmer brings to the table next year with a new staff and God willing a better offensive line, um, so that Thompson can make more things happen and maybe with another year development next year. Um, but no, that, that, yeah, five points average a game since, since Thompson got injured. I mean, I wouldn't have expected it. I kind of thought that we had a little bit more with Purdy, um, and that was just not the case. I don't know if it's an right. offensive line thing. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's just a straight-up inexperienced thing 
even though he did start a game with Florida State. But that is vi- that is definitely uh, by far the most uh, what, what would it be distasteful part about the rest of this season <laughs> is is it at least for the first <laughs> for the first seven games there was something interesting to watch an offense even with a bad offensive line. Now we don't even get that. So right. That's just my thoughts on that. Kevin, do you, you have any crazy thoughts going on with that? Yeah. You land on those two. I think the experience um, of Casey Thompson is what drove that ship um, because we're finding out that how much experience he has the ability to see the field and get the ball out of his hands and get it down the field accurately. Mm-hmm is exploiting now when you put in a backup quarterback, whether it be Purdy or, um, uh, sorry, just lost him. Um, <laughs> You're number okay. eight, number eight, Smothers. Um, Smothers. Smothers. Yeah. Smothers, when, yeah. You know, when we put him in is it, it's, it's like everything's going so much faster. And I think it's exploiting our offensive line and showing just how lackluster it is at this point. And it's it's we're not getting any move off the ball, so yeah. um, the running backs aren't getting any holes, and then you got a running back that's starting to dance rather than turn downhill. And yeah, but I think yeah, it all. What he's expecting to see, he's not seeing, right? Right, yeah. and I think I mean, it, it's a it's a secondary impact of of Trey Palmer not getting his stuff, getting his numbers, and and he's not helping himself in some regards where the ball hits him in the hands. I mean, he's he's the difference between a great player and a mediocre player is ones that make those catches. So um, he could help himself a little bit, but I think uh, sure. overall, I think the offensive line is really um, making it difficult. Not, and it's certainly not helping our backup quarterbacks. Well, nope. you know what? That, that's, I'm glad you brought that up, Kevin, because that's kind of one of the points that, that crossed my mind as I was talking, figuring out what to say today about this game and, and and that really as bad as the offensive line has been in many ways the defensive line wasn't a whole lot better yesterday I mean they were getting shoved backwards almost all day long just like the offensive line was and for me that leads to my second point which is that I think strength and conditioning has been awful <laughs> I mean we rarely do we get a push even against teams like North Dakota we did not get much of a push uh, that day on the field. So I think there has to be a change in the strength and conditioning uh, going into 2023 case in point, Blake Corm's first run on third and five uh, on their first drive when he literally shoved three defensive linemen and a linebacker backwards with him and one offensive lineman, I think was all that was helping him. I mean, come on, we hit him dead right there at the line of scrimmage and he shoved us five yards back for a first down. Um, if that isn't strength and conditioning, I don't know what is. And I'm obviously I've never played, never coached, never, you know, I've done anything like that or covered football in any official capacity. So I'm just going by what my eyes tell me. My eyes tell me that our guys are getting stood up constantly and they get no drive. And I think that's an issue with strength and conditioning more than it is technique. Kevin, do you have any thoughts on that? That uh, am I crazy? Is there something that I'm not seeing? Or uh, do you think I'm fairly close no. to hitting the mark? I, I Okay, my personal opinion, I don't know if there's such a huge gap in these guys are all really strong. These guys are all really athletic. There's reasons that Ty Robinson was a four-star or Nash Hutmacher. 
You know, these guys are at that level, and maybe it comes down to technique. And so when I was watching the game from the TV, is they would stop and they were highlighting, you know, the, how Michigan was was blocking us. And what it told me was is these guys aren't able to shed their blocks. They're getting locked on, and they're a hat on a hat, and we're not able to get off and make a play. So is that a strength and conditioning technique? I'm not real sure, but you're right. Um, it showed our lack of depth because they just pounded us mm-hmm. and wore us down. Um, and, okay. and at that point, it's game over. Scott, do you have any thoughts on that before you go to your second point? Uh, that and it's it's definitely a strength and conditioning problem along with a coaching and technique problem. Uh, with uh, Tony Tuioti going to Oregon last year, uh, I didn't realize how how much that was going to affect our defensive line. Um, along with, of course, losing some pretty good super seniors, um, that would also be a that and scenario. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really do think that I, I agree with you, dad. I think that Zach Duvall has met his maker. Um, he's going to probably not have a job at the end of this season. And we need to get a top of the line up to date with current times, uh, mm-hmm. strength and conditioning programs. Cause we, dad and I have stressed this enough on our podcast. The, the, uh, rubric that, Zach Duvall works with in our strength and conditioning, uh, uh, with strength and conditioning, it's behind, it's behind like by 20 years. It's, it's a really, really old book of techniques, um, and, uh, training regiments and workout syllabuses and, and all that. It's all out of whack. Um, so that needs to happen. And, I don't know if our defensive line coach needs to change. Maybe it is. Maybe it maybe it was just super seniors leaving and we just got to develop these guys. But I have a feeling it's probably a that and scenario. We're going to get a new defensive line coach and we're going to get uh, we're going to get uh, a new strength and conditioning coach. Um, so that uh, it is anything before I go on to my next point. Is there anything? that I said that needs to be contested with or anything anybody wants to add on before we move on? Well, we know there's a new coaching staff coming in, whether it's Mickey running it or whether it's uh, <clears throat> another guy coming in and keeps Mickey. God, please let him keep Mickey. Uh, I have, I think you're dead right. I think a new strength and conditioning staff's coming in as a result, as well as a defensive line coach. And who knows who's all going to stick around on that defensive staff. Uh, you know, new coaches like to have their guys, and I'm pretty sure Mickey is already given – my guess is he's already given Trev a plan. Here's who's going. Here's who I want staying. And I think that's going to help uh, Trev make his decision too. So um, go on to your next point. All right. So I have point number one. Point number one is that I actually didn't watch a lot of this game. Um, I was passively watching it. <laughs> I honestly couldn't bring myself to – rewatch the bludgeoning so i didn't even watch the highlights of the game or anything um i was cleaning our stove top and it was one of those things where i once i got started i couldn't finish and i knew what was going to be on the tv <laughs> when i went in the living room so i just kept cleaning the stove top and then by by the time i was done there was about a minute left in the first quarter and then my niece um my niece arrived um 
right after I was done and my wife and I were babysitting uh, my little niece while my brother and sister-in-law went on a date. Um, so I was kind of preoccupied with, uh, with a little two and a half year old running around our apartment. Um, so there really wasn't much attention to detail that was paid by me in this game. Uh, but that moves to my next point. And, and this is actually, uh, I don't mean to jump over you, dad, but no, I was looking at your, I was looking at your points, uh, your observations. And I have my observations and we both actually have a contrasting opinion of the defense, which is probably a reflection of my lack of watching the game. It's more of me looking at, um, at stats. And my point being, I thought our defense did better than I had thought they were going to. Um, cause both you, dad, dad and I, we, we both had an idea that Michigan was going to score 45 plus points on us. And so with us only, or with, uh, Michigan only scoring 34 in my mind, that's a little bit better. And then you take, take into the fact that we've got the 13th or no, we've got the 10th ranked offense in the big 10 versus the number one, uh, the number one defense in the big 10, which is Michigan. Um, where they only allowed 232 yards per game, blah, 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 blah. Uh, sure. I thought that – oh, wait, I was talking about their defense. My bad. I got a little bit off the rails there. Um, I thought that our defense did s- somewhat better um, than what I was expecting them to do, but I think that what you have written down – I think you make a good counterpoint to that. So I will actually pass this off to you, dad, and um, talk about our defense. What, 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 what was your observation of the defense that I may or may not have seen? Well, I wrote this bullet point down as an unpopular take uh, because upon further review, I watched the, uh, I watched the highlights again. Later in the evening, and it seemed like when Michigan wanted to run the ball, they did. They couldn't pass it for crap because I, I'll give our guys that much. They gave gave J.J. McCarthy just enough harassment that he had a hard time. But I don't think Jim Harbaugh was worried about scoring a lot of points. Um, felt to me like he was actually being pretty respectful of Mickey Joseph. Uh, and I think he knew he could have hung about 50 points on us or more if he wanted to. Because the talent level, uh, in my opinion, the talent level on the field and wearing the headsets, completely different level for Michigan. And they were way better than the 34 points that they put up. That's just, I think their game plan was pretty vanilla. Uh, a lot of outside zone, a lot of gap scheme on the runs where where it just they just went right at us uh, at our most vulnerable spot. And they had no, really didn't have too many problems. And they didn't get too fancy. So... I don't know, Kevin, you've been listening to us uh, go back and forth on the defense here. Do you have a take on on how they performed yesterday that's either different from ours, or are you going to tell either me or Scott that we're completely full of uh, hogwash? Because <laughs> probably one of us is, most no, likely me. I, but No, I, I, think, uh, I think they played well at first. Um, I do think that um, Corum could run when he needed to. And I think you're right that they did keep it very basic. They didn't have to break out the playbook. Um, they kept running the same play. Like it's they 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 Nebraska us is what they did from back in the '94. Oh, it's like, hey, we're going to run this point. play. Stop me. 
And if you're not going to stop me, I'm just going to continue to run it. And and it's the same thing that what like Michigan or Minnesota would do is they just take control of the clock and they just eat it down your throat. And like you said, they probably weren't very nervous about our offensive scheme. Um, they knew that they could get pressure on our guys. But from a positive, I think our, our DBs played well. Um, they tackled well. Mr. Hausman was uh, a, a bright spot for the mm, young freshman. Agreed. Yeah, he was so, all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I think they the just, uh, I, I think they just got wore down. I think uh, they leaned yep. and they played and and like listening to uh, Carricker Live is, it was about the middle of the third quarter when they finally just took over. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're you're what third and seven. And he's mm-hmm. carrying guys eight yards. Yep. So, yeah. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. So got then that maybe down, that re- got pushed around. Yep. Yep. And then that maybe that reinforces your guys's um, position on strength and conditioning, where you know, I mean, that's it's it's combined. But I I see where you're going with that for sure. So, but from a defense, they 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 tried. I'll say that, and I was I still have a positive opinion about Bill Bush, and I think he's doing really good things. He's doing the best he can with what he got. Oh yeah, I like Bill Bush. I like Bill Bush. Yep. I don't know if I don't know if he's going to remain on staff. I, I hope, hope so. he does. I hope yeah. he and Mickey are the two guys that are retained. Um, yep. If if I were to have a a wish list uh, with these upcoming coaching hires, that's for sure. Bill Bush is a he's a stud. Yes. Yep. So yeah, that's my take on the defense. And I just uh, they hung on. They they did the best they could, but they were overmatched on the interior. And you'd you'd watch. Whether yeah. you'd watch two, three guys get a hold of Corm and he'd just take them for a ride. And then the mm-hmm. offensive line would just shove our, our D line backwards as well. So Corm is, yep. Corm is just a, I mean, he's just a good football player. I mean, there's oh, yeah. no, he, I think yeah. he makes, I think he makes any defense. I think he's going to make any defense look like a bunch of <laughs> sacks of potatoes. They were um, so preoccupied with his thighs though, man. I was just like, dude. Chill yeah, out a little. Was, I mean, if you, do you remember Amon Green? That dude could <laughs> freaking kill people with those big meat hammers. Oh, were they? Were yeah. were the announcers oh, yeah. making comments about his thighs? Blake I mean, the dude's got. They some... called him McThickums or some. Crap. Oh yeah, stupid. they did. I was yeah. like, oh my god, are we kidding? But yeah, he's got anyway. some <laughs> thick boy legs. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but they you weren't got, wrong that he could uh, no. he could sprint away from some boys too. Now, that oh god, he's run. he's really quick and he's strong. He's yeah, just uh, yeah. you know, he gets that second gear I, real quick. Oh, yeah. If I remember, I I think I tweeted this last night. You know, while we were watching the game, my wife said, "Huh, well, honey, it's obvious we don't have a uh, uh, Blake Corum." And uh, so, <laughs> so then I said, "Yeah, we do. Problem is." There's a Whipple that's keeping him from being shown out, you know? Yeah, so, right. um, and he's running behind arguably one of the worst offensive lines that Nebraska's ever had. So I feel for Grant because he should be every bit over a thousand yards by now. There's no reason he shouldn't be, but you know, when you don't, when you don't have Frost who for some reason was able to scheme around a bad offensive line and come up with some running room for him, uh, that's, that's what you get. So I'm just going to, Jump over my last two here real quick, Scott, because I know you've got some stuff you want to talk about on the offense. I'm just going to say that, like I said earlier, um, when I was talking about the defense, that Michigan is way above Nebraska in talent level 
and definitely in development. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, one thing Harbaugh and company have done extremely well is they have out-recruited Nebraska. They're usually, what, third, fourth in the Big Ten in recruiting classes, um, and they've they've developed those guys. They're just outstanding. Corum has only gotten better from year to year, um, and he's a stud. Blake Corum is absolutely a stud. I think he's got a heck of an NFL future in front of him if he can stay healthy. And I don't remember hearing about him being injured very much since he's been been at Michigan. And he's what a junior. He could technically have another year or two, probably because of COVID. So, yep. Um, uh, so that that's really all I've got to say specifically about the Michigan game as far as my overall impressions. And I know you've got some stuff you want to talk about about the offense, and then we can move on to stats on the game. Um, I mean, ahead. yeah, my point being that our offense is just bad. Um, our offense looked <laughs> as bad as I thought, or yeah, our, our offense looked as bad as I thought it was going to look, if not worse. Um, I don't know why I thought we were going to put 13, 14 points up on the number one defense in the big 10, even with me considering Chubba yeah. Purdy or Smothers. Maybe there was a asterisk like stipulation that I said last week about, well, if we run smothers and scheme something up, blah, 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 blah. Um, maybe I said that. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, we only put three points up on them. And at this point, when it comes to our offensive talent, such as Trey Palmer, really what I are and, and Anthony Grant, can't forget Anthony Grant. Pretty much what I'm doing at this point is I'm uh, I'm observing any individual talent level that we've got on our offense and all of the insufficient discrepancies, the clearly systemic discrepancies we've got on our offense, and I'm just trying to think what do we got to put together for next season in order to have uh, a step right. forward in our offense. And this game was a perfect example of every area – that we need to improve on our offense. We, I mean, I'm not even going to go into it because we've already said these things a million times as Husker fans. Uh, I mean, I, I say that right now, and, and there's already a bunch of things going in your mind of what, what exactly needs to be fixed on our offense, biggest thing being offensive line. So it was, it was a bad game, and, and it, it really does go to show, like, you know, maybe I didn't give – uh, Casey Thompson enough credit where it was deserved considering the fact that once he was out we've been a non-factor offensively so me making a comment of like yeah Casey Thompson's an average quarterback god you know if, if let's say that's true let's say that Casey Thompson is an average quarterback imagine what an elite quarterback could do yeah. at Nebraska like my goodness. And like an average quarterback with an average offensive line, like those two things, you fix those two things where you got a Casey Thompson year in, year out, or God, give me another Adrian Martinez again. You know, you get, you get those things put together on top of a decent offensive line. Like we're not mm -hmm. as heart palpitated as a, as a Husker nation as we have been for the last five years. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. And you said something earlier, Dad, that um, that kind of like made me kind of cringe a little bit. And it wasn't <laughs> what you said. It was what was implied with what you said, which was okay. that Frost somehow schemed up an offense that would 
somehow make a running game function, even with a bad offensive line. And what that tells me is that if that were true, which I think it might be, uh, that means that Scott Frost's cocky comments about uh, he doesn't need a good good offensive line, his schemes are superior, right? Kind of holds some credence now. Uh, <laughs> if that were to be yeah. the case, uh, that's true. I hadn't thought of it from that point of view either. But go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, that was just uh, that was pretty much it. Um, our offense is is garbage, and it's crazy it really is crazy how 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 far we've dropped off with casey thompson being uh, injured so um i'll leave it at that what do you got kevin what are your thoughts on our offense at this point um especially in this game of non-factor pretty much i would have to agree with you guys on uh, the scott frost i mean it was evident when he took over the the uh, second half of that other game earlier this year where the running game just kind of came alive. And I think that's just his, mm-hmm. his talent and his skill to do that. And much like we've heard about Whipple from his prior stop where he didn't like to run the ball, it's not his strength. And so, um, I, I, yeah, I, it's not doing ourselves any favors. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, it, it's hard to think that our offensive line could get worse, but it's hard to compare apples to apples when you're going up against Michigan versus uh, North Dakota, you know? Yeah, um, sure. that is true. Um, but it, in all reality, though, it's you should be able to try to do something. These guys are all really good athletes. Um, get mm-hmm. creative, put them in, you know, utilize their strengths. Um, you don't see Yant anymore. I haven't seen him for a couple weeks. Uh, we saw Gabe Irvin for a play or two. Uh, we finally saw Ramirez, um, who had a couple of decent plays. He could have had another one, but they get to dancing a little bit. Um, obviously, yeah. you say I've I've never played at that level, so it's a lot easier said than done. But um, anyway, yeah, I, you know, there's some, <laughs> you can't miss your tight end <laughs> who's wide open and drop it at his back left foot and expect yeah. him to to get it um wide receivers got to catch it when it hits their hands um yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a multitude of things but yeah it's a it's it's a tough thing to watch no doubt about it anything else you wanted to talk about specifically scott is related to michigan looks like you got another one there yes um so the game quote unquote the game, the biggest game in the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State and Michigan coming up on the 26th of November. Um, I just wanted to talk about that really quick because if there's any game that I've been more excited about this year, like there isn't one. Um, there have been some games throughout the year that have kind of caught my attention. Like I was really, I'd say probably one of my favorite games this year surprisingly was the uh, Alabama and Texas game. Um, I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. that game. It was such a wild ride, Um, but there've been, there've been a few others. I mean, the LSU Alabama game was an, it was an exciting game. The Tennessee Alabama game, all of these games that I'm naming off are all Alabama. There's one thing in common, but um, it is also one of those things where uh, I mean, Alabama's held, held uh, basically their their spot on the top of the podium for the better part of the last decade, so it only makes sense. But um, Michigan and Ohio State, 
I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, you've got Blake Corum, you've got uh, JJ McCarthy, you've got a, a good defense, like a really, really good Michigan defense that I didn't, I wasn't expecting them to take a step forward from last year, especially after all the, the talent that they lost last year. It wasn't right. much, but it was definitely some some cornerstone guys that they lost. I forgot what that defensive end's name was, but uh, oh yeah, Aiden Hutchinson and then Aiden um, Jabo on the other end too. Yes. Yep. But I mean, they've they haven't taken a step back by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ohio State, they're catching their stride with their offense. They're 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 looking explosive. They've got a really ser- serviceable defense. I mean, they're the number two defense in the Big Ten. So I mean, that's got to tell you something. And I mean, if Michigan doesn't have a hiccup against the Illini and Ohio State doesn't have a hiccup against uh, Maryland, I mean, it's going to be the biggest Big Ten game of the year, hands down biggest game in the country hands down um which granted it usually is i mean yeah you gotta figure auburn's a dumpster fire so the iron bowl won't be worth a crap mississippi state and Ole miss might be compelling to watch but i can't really think of any other rivalry games that will quite match michigan ohio state yep and it i mean the college football playoff stakes are super high this year last year it wasn't i mean between ohio state and and michigan wasn't like i think ohio state was ranked like fifth or something i don't remember what it was but michigan knocked them out of of the big 10 championship so then michigan goes on and plays iowa and then beats iowa and then goes on to the college football playoff well it's the same scenario this year between between yeah. uh, Ohio State and Michigan, whichever one wins, they go to the Big Ten Championship and they get to play one of the bastard children of the Big Ten West. And it's almost, almost a guaranteed college football playoff berth for whomever wins that. Um, and I think it's just like by far one of the most appealing games coming up this year. Um, there's a lot of great games. I, I don't want to discredit how many good games there have been this year, but. I mean, for, coming from a biased Big Ten, you know, fan. Right. I mean, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a wild ride. I I think it's gonna be one of those. Uh, it's gonna be one of those games where it's either a, a complete and total shootout between two high tempo offenses that are just gonna unleash everything, or it's gonna be one of those painfully low scoring games where both of their explosive offenses are shut down by these really motivated defenses. I that's kind of one of the two scenarios I see playing out with this game, but well, it's it's I, exciting. I'd say the storyline for me in this game is the fact that uh Ohio State's upped their physicality on defense this year with their new defense coordinator. What's his Kevin his name was Jim Knowles or something? Got him from Ohio State or Baylor or somewhere I don't remember. Uh, but Oklahoma uh, State. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. That's it. Oklahoma yeah. State. And they totally up up their physicality level. So and that's what Michigan beat them with last year. They crammed a whole lot of Hassan Haskins and Blake Corm down their throat and they didn't want to tackle in the snow. This year they do. Looks like they have no issue sticking people. Oh, yeah. So that's gonna be I think it's gonna be a head kicker. Um, and it may exactly be what you think, Scott. It could be a slobber knocker for a half, and then the second half, maybe things both teams make some adjustments and they score some points. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. You looking forward to the game, Kevin? Or 
What do you think? Yeah, I am. I no, I I enjoy the. It's it does have a lot of implications, a lot of huge implications, and I think um, I think Michigan's going to try to slow it down because they're not as explosive as mm-hmm. Ohio State. So I think the good on good is going to be Ohio State's offense on Michigan's defense, and then whoever can uh, if Michigan's defense can contain them, contain those receivers. And mm-hmm. if and if they can get some three and outs, and then they can play their their running game and take some clock out, I think that's where you're going to start seeing your low scaring. So it's going to be whoever can get get the upper hand first. So mm. it should be a good game. Yeah. Good I point. That's a fair point. Good point. Good point. Um, my goodness, I, you're right, Scott. I hadn't really thought about it too deeply, but I really am looking forward to that game because I think, you know what. If uh, Alabama keeps getting exposed for the overrated team that they were at the beginning of the year, uh, somebody could still reach up and, and bite them in these next two, three weeks. Um, if that happens, you know, guaranteed there's not going to be but one playoff team out of the SEC. Almost guaranteed that now. But uh, how cool would it be if somebody like a Michigan and an Ohio State, regardless of how the game turns out, if they're close enough to one another, you could you could have SEC people screaming and crying from the rooftops of their double wide trailers um, about how you got two teams from the Big Ten in there and not two teams from the SEC, and then that just make me happy, you know, because mm-hmm. I I have to live vicariously through all the other good teams in the Big Ten because God knows we don't have one yet. Um, <laughs> yep. Anyway, let's go uh, because we just like to. Uh, torture ourselves we'll take a look back at some of the stats from the game uh most striking one of all is the first one on the list uh eight first downs for nebraska 27 for michigan um which probably reflects the next stat too five of 15 on third down for nebraska whereas they were four of 10 for michigan which kind of surprises me but they did get two out of two fourth down conversions nebraska did get one out of one we were 10 of 19 for swapping 71 yards through the air, 3.7 yards per catch average, where they were 10 for 20 for 148. Wasn't a great day for McCarthy, but it didn't need to be. Uh, 7.4 yards average per reception. Excuse me. 29 rushes for a whopping 75 yards. 2.6 yards a carry for Nebraska. 49 rushes for 249. Good heavens. Um, for 264 for Michigan, that's 5.4 yards per carry. Whew. Yeah. That's about what we've been giving up on average all year. Really? Um, mm-hmm. penalties, four of them for 30 yards and one penalty for Michigan for 15. And again, we got beat in the time of possession game by 11 minutes, pretty much like last week, 35 minutes and 32 seconds to 24 minutes and 28 by Nebraska, the good news is there were no turnovers for either team. Nebraska did fumble the ball twice, didn't lose any. Michigan fumbled once and didn't lose one either. So I guess that's good. <laughs> What's, uh, what did your guys' thoughts on it, it? Like It was like seeing history play out with those snaps hitting the ground. Oh. Well, at least they weren't high. That's true. <laughs> cause, cause that was Ken Jurgen's problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it was, it was either a, you know, a ground ball to third base or it was going over his head. So, right. 
Um, okay. These were at least down by the knees and for the most part were able for, but yeah, it certainly doesn't, it definitely disrupts the timing of the play and the timing of the uh, quarterback being able to make more than one read, right? right Which right. these guys are notorious for only really being able to make one read. Um, but yeah, that kind of sucks. I, Hickson, I guess, has been snapping them a little bit low all year, but hey, Casey Thompson's what, five foot ten and a half soaking wet? Yep. Uh, on a good day, so he's used to snapping it down that low. I think, <laughs> and it could have been that. I just was curious if that's uh, you. You talk about some of the the fumbles and or sure the the for such a rhythm offense that that can really play havoc. And it and it, and then to, to compound that with what you what we talked about earlier about Whipple and not not getting his uh, backup quarterbacks in a position to be successful. Well, now you yeah. put additional stress on them when they're having oh, yeah. to chase down ground balls and, and now their, their focus is just to try to stay alive. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even, I mean, we're all human and we tend to think of quarterbacks as fans as like this impenetrable mental fortress that they don't, you know, they're not human and they don't think about patterns and they don't think about tendencies. And as soon as you get, a pattern that starts to show of a ball is getting snapped low. I mean, you would have to be almost like a psychopath to not let that get in your head pre-snap every snap for the rest of the game where you're not necessarily a hundred percent locked in on your reads and you're not necessarily a hundred percent locked in on your checkdowns when you're just fo- your initial focus Instead of it being, okay, this is the play that's coming up. These are the reads that I need to do. Your, your thought is, I hope this ball is in my hands. Right. And that, exactly. and that takes away a quarter second of focus. And yeah. so that you make a good point. You know, you can't get in a rhythm as an offense. If you're, if your first and foremost focus is, is the ball going to actually go into my freaking bread basket? I don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, <laughs> So and that, that was is a, a thing that Adrian probably fought with too, with with Jurgens, you know, in prior seasons. But yeah, yeah, that, that's where I give, I, and not to go back on Adrian, but I mean, that's where I give him a little, a, a, a little room, a little slack there because of some of those challenges. But I, I felt for Smothers and and Purdy, and Purdy was already nervous, and then all of a sudden he's starting to field ground balls, and he's trying to get through, and it's cold. I just. Yeah, I just, man, this, it didn't set a good rhythm. But you did was, see when uh, they get Smothers in, the first thing they did was running. Why? To try to probably get a little confidence in him. So, yep. 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 Sorry. Sorry to sidebar that. No, no, no. That was a good point to make. That was, I'm glad you brought that up because that was, uh, that was something that I just subtly was thinking of previously. And we have ourselves a guest that has joined in on the podcast. Brian Knudsen with the Husker Army podcast has joined us to kind of recap the Michigan game. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Gentlemen, doing good. How are you? We are doing great. Brian, we've got a guest on the podcast. We got Kevin, Husker fan 76, on the podcast with us. Kevin, how you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Hanging in there. Outstanding. Dang it, I was muted, which is probably a good thing because Scott handled that better than I would have. Uh, <laughs> you know, podcast 101, just make sure you don't have your stupid uh, mic muted. Um, welcome aboard. 
Brian, glad you're Great here, man. Be here. Glad you're and here. We, we just got done with all the stats. Um, oh, that's good because we didn't go over yeah, that at all. Yeah, well, it wasn't fun to go over for us either. So, <laughs> um, do you guys, Scott? I know you 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 casually watched the game because you were busy doing a lot of things, um, which you know apparently I didn't properly raise you, and that's my fault. Um, <laughs> Suck my head. <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, did you catch the play when Lantier Brown made that catch and tried to hurdle the Michigan yeah. defender? <laughs> yes, I did I mean, watch she, that. Wasn't that like targeting? I mean, he led with the crown of his helmet, and it was like head-to-head <laughs> combat contact. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I watched that, and I was just thinking about my family jewels because oh. he got he got his shit racked back like a freaking <laughs> assault rifle, dude. He was – yeah. It was he was, bad. yeah, but I mean, I mean he, dude got right up. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, either he's completely numb down there for the next week or those adrenaline. I don't know how he got up from that without yakking all over the field. Cause I certainly would have, I thought about trying to pull the highlight and then slow-mo highlight and then find the music for like the nutcracker suite or something to play <laughs> underneath it. But I'm like, I like how to get a content strike for that. So yeah. So, of course, the leading rushers uh, yesterday were Blake Corum, 28 rushes, 162 yards, 5.8 yards per carry, a long of 12 yards. So we did contain him in a sense, but his longest run was only 12 yards in one touchdown. Chuba uh, was our leading rusher, 5 for 39, uh, 7.8 was his average per carry long of 13. And I wonder if we wouldn't have done a little bit better had he not uh, twisted that ankle. And I can attest the high ankle sprain is no fun. Um, a notable grant 11 grand total of 11 rushes, 22 yards, two yards per rush. His longest one was five yards. So yeah. anyway, yeah. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Pain. Um, well, we've got this segment that we do called Game Breaker and Game Wrecker of the Week. Uh, we'll go with Game Wrecker first, Scott and Kevin, because you brought him up, Kevin, and it was wise of you to do so because, yes, Ernest Hausman had a heck of a game. I mean, Woo-hoo. that guy was absolutely all over the field. Uh, ten, solo, ten total tackles, eight of them by himself, one sack and one tackle for loss. The kid mm. is absolutely growing up right before our eyes. He's getting better every single week. And I think I said it when we did our recruiting podcast way back in January or February, Scott. I think I said that uh, Ernest Tausman is a guy I was looking to see yep. become basically the heart and soul of this defense in the future. And I think I think as early as next year, if he's still around, which I think he will be, uh, my goodness, that guy was something else. So he was our game wrecker of the week. What do you guys think, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he, he was the standout both from the entire – entire Nebraska football team. Um, yeah. From a kid who, if I remember right going, when I remember reading and listening up on him being recruited is he actually transitioned to the middle linebacker position, his final yes. senior year in high school. So the kid is, must be a just extremely knowledgeable because he has not been playing that position for long, but he sure is playing it well. Very competent. Yep. And to be fair, Luke Reimer also had 10 tackles, uh, six solo. So those guys both had outstanding games, but man, Seemed like every time a big tackle was made, it was it was Ernest making it. Um, what did you think, Brian? Do you think it was there anybody else on that defense you could say 
wreck some stuff for some people besides the Michigan player who wrecked. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Look, that, that play with Alante, that, that was amazing. Look, the defender did the right thing. He yep. didn't go completely low. He had his head still up enough to notice Alante was trying to hurdle. And credit to Alante for popping right back up. I definitely couldn't have. Oof. And anybody can say what they want about Robert Griffin calling games. The commentating he gave for that play was downright epic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, going going back to what you're bringing up about Hausman, uh, I got a soft spot for Luke Reimer. I I think the kid gives everything he's got, every play, every game, no matter what, does the same in practice. He's a leader. Hausman, though, my God, the way he could fill that hole and for the first time, you saw one of our defenders not give ground. He pushed back. And that, that, yeah, it's amazing to see out of the young man. And like you said, Ken, he's just going to get better and better. He, he's growing up right before our eyes. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the guy's incredible. I, I really yeah. like the kid. I think he's just a good kid, too. I mean, he's, he's not going to be a locker room issue. He's darn sure not going to be an issue off the field. He's just got a good head on his shoulders, so. Really proud of him, proud of his effort, uh, proud of the way the team, you know, they really didn't quit. They played their guts out as best as they could. Um, so, yeah, I was, game, oh, I was go gonna ahead. Jump in. Sorry, I was just going to say, no, I was going to say something. Brian, he, uh, now I don't know how you guys watch your games at home, um, like the first half. Naked. I did less, <laughs> man, personal preference. Um, <laughs> um that really uh, threw you out there, didn't yeah, I? It did. I was pretty, no, I was pretty. I'm laughing. I'm trying not to laugh too much here. That's hilarious. Um, but I watched the first half listening, and I listened to RG3, and then I remembered, and sometimes I'll turn on to the Husker Radio Network, and I'll sync it up while I'm watching the game and mm-hmm. listen to that. And one of the comments that uh, was made is that, that that kid, Hausman, just lives in the in the film room. I guess he is just mm-hmm. a – a junkie for the game. So positive. positive. Thanks for positive. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, uh, cause we can't really come up with anybody else on offense to typically call our game breaker. I give it to Timmy bleak road after all he did score our only points. So yep. Yep. way to go Tim. And he drilled that thing too. I mean, that guy's been pretty much money all year. Uh, and he, you know, doggone it. You can't, you can't not ignore, the job that the special teams have done this year. They certainly haven't lost us any games. So kudos no, to them. It's been night and day from what we've seen in seasons previous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So Kevin and Brian, we're going to move on to actually rating the team. We do this on a one to 10 scale, 10 oh, being boy. awesome. One being what we saw on Saturday, <laughs> at least for <laughs> part of the team. No, um, no, no lead in on that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I've got, and I'm just going to give all three of them and then give you what the overall score is on a scale of one to 10. I got a one for the offense. Cause that's pretty obvious. 147 yards is all we put out. That's, that's a little scary. Uh, even against that defense, we should have been able to do more than that. Uh, or at least have backup quarterbacks that were adequately prepared to be able to do something like that. Even after three weeks without the starter, you would think they'd be better. Uh, the defense, I gave a six. I was a little hard on them because that second half, it just seemed like they kept getting ran over by Blake Corm. 
Um, and then the special teams were another eight for me. I think I gave him an eight last week. I give him an eight this week. Bushini was money, averaged 43 yards a punt. Bleak Road making that. And then, hey, you know what? Tommy Hill averaged, I think, 19 yards per per return on kickoffs. So he was right in that. Fit. I think he had like three returns for 51 yards or something like that. So at least getting some returns there. So overall, the team I gave him, their overall grade is a five. Kevin, we'll lead off with you. Uh, go ahead. What do you think for the offense? Yeah, it's it's hard for me to justify anything above a one at this point. Um, sad to say. We're number uh, one. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are number one in your hearts. Um, <laughs> and then the defense, uh, you know, I'll give them a six. I don't think it was entirely their fault. Um, they did ride Corum down the field a few times. They weren't getting him down. He's a strong back. He was getting some push. But uh, the mm-hmm. boys pushed hard at the beginning. They got a couple of back-to-back three and outs, which were kind of surprised me. Um, you know, uh, how's men making that explosive play to get mm-hmm. the sack and making that deci- decisive decision to get there? Um, so from a defensive perspective, I think they, you know, a six was, was I guess, about as far as I could go. Special teams, I'm mm-hmm. with you, an eight. Punny's been fantastic, especially in the cold weather. That can't be easy. Um and then, you know, seeing Hill back there trying to make some runs as well. Uh, I seen one time where they kept him in the end zone and he was rather upset that they did that. So the guy's yeah. got a fire. <laughs> um, he wants to do something. He's trying to break him and it yeah. looks awful close at times. So yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so you got uh, him overall as, as a five, two for the team. Okay. Yes. Uh, Brian, you go ahead and then Scott, you can give yours. What do you got for the offense? Well, I mean, I got to go with you guys. Uh, this will probably be across the board. You, you can't go more than one. Uh, I've been very critical and very vocal about Purdy since he's been in. So I'm, I'm going to let that one go. Anybody wants to hear my rants, go check out the last couple episodes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, you can't give them more than a one. Uh, out of out of the production we saw from them. Granted, they went up against one hell of a defense. Uh, and at the big house, it's always tough. So, yeah, one for the offense for sure. Uh, defense, I'm going to go one up. I'm going to go with a seven, and just because of Houseman. Gotcha. I'm right there with you, Ken. This young man's becoming a star right before our eyes. And who knows, this could be the type of player that turns a defense around. Yeah. So we we don't know. And special teams, I'm even going to go one more. I'm going to go with a nine for the simple fact that, like you said, they haven't lost us any games. And coverage has been outstanding this season. And right there with you, Kevin, Tommy Hill, he's got fire. I, I know exactly the play you're talking about when they held him in the end zone, and man, was he pissed. Mm-hmm. He, he mm-hmm. was not happy about that. So that's where I'm going. Yep. All righty. All righty. So you've got us at an overall of a 5.6 for this game. So just above failing. <laughs> I'll take it. Depending on if you grade on a curve, <laughs> which I have it. no idea what the hell that means. So. Fifty's a hundred, right? Something like that. Say, yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) Um, Well, that pretty much wraps up uh, talking about Michigan. We're going to turn our attention to. Oh, 
I Come did, on. didn't and you I? Can't see? Forget your boy. See, I can't. I you know what? I apologize, son. It's okay. But, I'll go know. to customer service and they can call what can you I out. Say? On the, I've only on been casually following the podcast, so <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty much gonna echo what we all have pretty much agreed upon, which is you can't give the offense a rating of over a one because you can't point to any single facet of the offense that that performed well or even performed average. Um, so I got a one on the offense. I've got a seven on our defense, which my dad uh, kind of convinced me to, to, to bring that number back. I, I would go with a six, but I'm going to stick with what I wrote down when I was working in the notes. Uh, I'm going to leave it at a seven. Uh, Brian, what dad described earlier was his observation of, of the Mike Harbaugh uh, defensive scheme for, or offensive scheme for the game was that they were playing very vanilla. They were playing very conservative. And so they very much could have laid it on us a lot more than they did. Um, So it may have made our defense look a little bit better, but from my observation, yes, I agree. Ernest Hausman looked good. Um, Luke Reimer looked good. We had some really good individual performances. Our secondary was knocking. I mean, there's a reason why, uh, JJ McCarthy was 10 for 20 and it's because a lot of those balls were getting knocked down. And so it's, it, it wasn't because he was a bad quarterback. It's just because he was throwing it to dudes who were, who were getting the ball away. Um, granted I didn't get to watch a lot of the game or I was passively watching it. So, uh, I, I can't, you know, let's say it's a seven with an asterisk, you know, I didn't watch a lot of it. So, you know, beat me with a tube sock with soap in it, whatever. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we got a seven on the defense and then, yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. Um, Brian, I, I really, I really do like your take on giving it a nine just from an all around perspective of, I mean, what else could you ask from our special teams? I mean, we could ask them to take one to the big house. We could ask them to, I don't know, block a punt or block, whatever, you know, you could ask a lot more of them, but when you put it in the con, when you put it in the context of, what have we been screaming about for the last four years? Competent special teams. And we've got competent special teams now. Like, God, what a, it's, it's one of those things that I really don't want to forget. Like, I don't want to forget how bad it was because I want to really appreciate when, when they're doing everything right. Um, but I've got them at an eight. I've got them at an eight because of those reasons, you know, take one back, you know, block something, meh, whatever. Um, so I've got them at an eight, but I just wanted to say really quick, dad, isn't it crazy to, to, to nail this point down going through all of our notes. We have a few of our notes that in our Google docs that we have deleted since the season started, at least I think um, we haven't given the special teams a rating less, lesser than a seven. Haven't we? Oh, Dad, you're muted. Yes, yes, yes. I think seven is the uh, the lowest. I think we've done. I think we've been in that that eight range, seven, eight range, seven, eight. Every yeah. single game we've been doing this one to ten rating scale. Yeah. God, it, imagine if we did have you know everything else put together. That'd be great. But oh. um, my goodness, like I just want to. I just wanted to say that, like, if there's anything that I can take away from the season that I can hang my hat on, it's like, God, our special teams have been have been reliable. Thank God. Fast. Um, 
Yes, vastly improved. Thank you, Bill Bush. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and he's been running most of the season running the defense. So how good is he at really having the right people in place to help that special teams unit work? No uh, kidding. He's, he's, he's outstanding. I mean, it's been outstanding. I'm so pleased with where it's at. Um, so we sit, we sit at an overall average of around five, you know, for this game. Um, I gave it a 5.3 dad and Kevin, you guys got him at a five and Brian, you're the most optimistic with a 5.6, that deal breaker being uh, you giving the special teams a little bit higher of a rating. So yep. across the board, it's, it's basically a failing grade and, and it shows, I mean, you don't, you don't it's lose all points, the games yeah. that we have in the fashion that we have without having a losing grade team. So, mm-hmm. um, well, I guess that that does wrap it up this time. Now that uh, now that I, the forgotten child, has expressed <laughs> my thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm gonna feel real guilty about that for a long time. <laughs> You're not living <laughs> this one down, Ken. <laughs> no, sure no, sir. No, sir. I'll be reminded every show. Am I gonna get to go next, Dad? I can just hear it now. Dad, uh, which is fine. <laughs> I have it coming. I, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you know, before we get on to Wisconsin, I'm going to do something real quick I didn't do last week, and that is um, this episode of Generation Red is brought to you by GFC Express LLC, Lincoln's local leader in RV transportation. GFC Express is an independent contractor who, uh, well, hauls RVs from manufacturers to dealers all over the country. GFC Express, where their favorite three things in this whole world are God, family, and Cornhusker football. And yes, indeed, that is my own ad read for my own company. But you know what, Kevin, if you've got one, go for it. Because I know you do it too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I'll pass. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, 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 no simple plugs here. I'm, I, I can't give myself a raise. I'd like to. But <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, neither can I. Ah, so now the fun part, we get to look forward to Wisconsin. Just real quick, hopefully it won't take too much more of you guys' time. Kevin, uh, Brian, really appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Um, Nebraska, Wisconsin, there's a bit of a stat comparison I've thrown out here just to kind of give us an idea of where what we're looking at next Saturday. Um, we are 10th in the Big Ten and 94th in the country in scoring offense at 23.3 points per game. Wisconsin, on the other hand, is – Middle of the road in the Big Ten at sixth and uh, 66th in the country at 28.7 points per game. So our defense, maybe we can hold them down for a while. Uh, We'll see. Uh, But they seem to be gaining a little bit of steam, except for, what, yesterday? They kind of got slotted around by Iowa. I didn't really watch that game much. So Um, 136.4 yards per game is what our rushing – Averages and that's ninth in the Big Ten, 85th in the country, 170.1 for Wisconsin, which is sixth in the Big Ten and 54th in the country. Surprising with that offensive line or at least that team that they don't they aren't higher than that. Um, we'll get you guys' overall thoughts on the offense comparison here when I get done here. Real quick passing offense, 226.6 yards per game for Nebraska in spite of the last three games. That's amazing. Um that's eighth in the Big Ten, 74th in the country, 200 yards per game for Wisconsin, 11th in the Big Ten, and 105th in the country. Total offense, uh, Wisconsin's 82nd in the country, we're 86th, so we're really close at 363 yards per game for Nebraska, 370 for Wisconsin. Overall, when you look at those offensive numbers, does that give you guys any hope that 
Nebraska might be able to match wits with them on offense. I think we can, guys. I mean, look, let's think about this. The, the Wisconsin team we're going up against, this ain't the Wisconsin team we're used to. Uh, like you said, Ken, their offensive line, a little smaller, definitely not producing like they usually do. I mean, okay. come on. They fired their head coach just mm-hmm. after we did. It, and we're looking at a guy that gave them, what, at least nine wins a season, correct? Right around there, yeah. I think he averaged right around nine wins, yeah. And all because their offense just wasn't producing like they normally do. Gee, like you're not going to have a down year every now and again? Ask Saban. Hmm. So I just did this is not the, the Wisconsin we see almost year in, year out. I really do believe we can get this victory because that offense is stagnant. They, they have proven that they can't move the ball at times. They've proven that they sputter just as much as we can in games. Th- this could come down to somebody that's willing to make a 40-yard field goal. That's what I'm looking for in this game, and I really think we come out with this. Optimism. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You got uh, Kevin, what do you think? What do you think looking at those or listening to those numbers since you can't see the outline? My apologies. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, I think uh, I'm with Brian. I think we got there's some optimism here. I just hope the team can keep it together for another week. I know it's probably a tough pill to swallow every week. Um, it's hard to keep coming back with the same level of tenacity, mm-hmm. but um, I think uh, Mickey is the guy that can keep that energy level up. Uh, the best he can, but I don't think Braylon Allen is quite the runner that he was last year, or he's not producing like he was last year. Uh, doesn't yeah. mean that Wisconsin running backs don't have their way with Nebraska. I mean, we just need <laughs> to make sure we need to make sure we 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 step up and and put a hat on a hat because I don't think Graham Mertz is going to be the well. Who knows? We can make a lot of quarterbacks look good, but. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, I, I had to bite my tongue there before I said much more. But anyway, it, it, yeah, I think this is a, a definitely a game that we can take. We we show up and we play like they say all three phases of the game, four quarters, and when we come to compete, it might mm-hmm. come down to, to to Bleak Road, you know, driving one through the uprights from from fifty. Ooh, from I like that. Cool. I, I'd kind of like to see a repeat of Alex Henry against so. Uh, Colorado. Oh my God! In 08, and then have a defensive lineman intercept a pass and shove Mertz into the, you know, curb stomp him on the way to the end zone. That'd be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that, that stadium will come unglued if all oh, that comes no kidding. together. No kidding. So, Scott, what are your thoughts looking at those numbers? Do you? And I know you've got the benefit of seeing the defensive numbers right now, but without looking at the defense, does this look like a game that Nebraska can manage their way toward a win? I don't know. I really don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. You've got an interim versus an interim. You've mm-hmm. got Michigan, or not Michigan, you've got Wisconsin who's been inconsistent at best, and then you've got Nebraska who's been inconsistent at best. You've got Graham Mertz who is uh, in the, the epitome of inconsistent, and then you've got uh, a quarterback with Casey Thompson that's still questionable. Right. And so... Are, there are there are ways that I could draw on the whiteboard with my you know all of my little strings connecting to all of these different conspiratorial places where I could go yes we could win a game but I could also do the same thing of all of the ways we could lose the game um, 
I'm I, I the I guess I'm gonna kind of really the only way I can answer this question is if I at least take one of the points away from when it, when we were gonna talk about our score prediction, which is talking about the offense. I think the only way that we can survive offensively playing against Wisconsin is if mm-hmm. is I how do I say this without sounding like a complete dickhead? Um, <laughs> go for it. Guys. Just so, let her roll. <laughs> We've never if, censored ourselves before. <laughs> if Mark Whipple is still going to be out due to health reasons, I think we could take that as an opportunity to scheme up something with Smothers and Purdy hmm. uh, in the sense of an option or quarterback draws and really focus on a running game and just really make that our bread and butter because <laughs> We need to dominate the the game uh, time of possession. Like we've got to figure that out. If we're going to do something on offense, it needs to be time of possession, and we need to figure out how to use Smothers' legs. And God dang it, we got to figure out a way to get the ball to our receivers um, in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be these bombs downfield, but that's really the only way I see us winning the offensive side of this battle is okay. yep. is is by doing that. You know what, guys, you've all made the points that I was thinking of as well. Uh, this is when you look at the offensive numbers specifically, without taking a look at the differences on the defenses, uh, that's where these teams are fairly doggone even. They're, you know, uh, Wisconsin's kind of middle of the road in the Big Ten, Nebraska's eh, lower third in the Big Ten in offensive output. But. <clears throat> Defense is where the issue lies because in spite of the improvements with Bill Bush there, Nebraska is still at best ranked 12th in one of those defense, one of the four defensive categories I'm about to go to. And the other three, they're ranked 13th. Uh, and they're down high 90s or low 100s on the re- in, in the national side. So scoring defense, we're giving up 29.9 points per game, which, as I said, 13th in the Big Ten, 98th in the country. Wisconsin, on the other hand, is 20.9 points per game, 7th in the Big Ten, 27th in the, comp- in the country. The good news is, is they're kind of middle of the road in the Big Ten in all of these defensive categories as well. So there is hope if we can hold on to the ball, like you said, Scott. Ball control. Hold on to the op- hold on to the football. Don't give the football away. We've got a shot. Uh, rushing defense. We give up 191 yards per game, which does not bode well when Braylon Allen's on the other sideline. Mm-hmm. Except he hasn't been great this year. But we've given up what Brian four straight 200 yard rushers against Wisconsin the last four years. Oh. I don't think anybody's rushed for under 200 yards on us since Scott Frost was hired. Um, from Wisconsin. So uh, 107.6 is what they give up, which is fifth in the Big Ten, 16th in the country. Passing defense, 247.1 for Nebraska, 12th in the Big Ten, 92nd in the country, 200.2 for Wisconsin, eighth in the Big Ten, 32nd in the country. So there might be a vulnerability there. Uh, They're basically giving up the same amount of passing yardage as they're actually getting themselves. So interesting. Uh, they was basically match. Uh, whereas total defense, Nebraska gives up right just shy of 440 yards, and uh, Wisconsin gives up just shy of 308, which is sixth in the Big Ten and 14th in the country. Um, so there you go. That's the key. What does Wisconsin do against our defense? And quite frankly, who runs out there and pl- takes that first snap 
not under center, damn it, but from the shotgun. Is it Casey Thompson or is it somebody else? So those defensive numbers, I'll start with you, Kevin. Where are you at with that? What do you think? Is there a way that this team, even if Casey doesn't play, can come up with some way to move the ball? Uh, <laughs> they're they're inconsistent. You don't I, – I don't know if it's – which running back? I mean, like I talked about earlier, you had, uh, you know, G- you know Gabe Irvin in there for a play or two. Then you had Ramirez in there for a play or two. You don't have actually. I think Ramirez probably played as much or as, as much as Grant did. I don't know if he touched the ball as much, but um, so you really don't have a dynamic threat. Yant, you haven't seen. Uh, Irvin's mm-hmm. obviously making his way back. I think we see Casey Thompson out there. I think it was strategic to keep him out of this Michigan game just due sure. to the pure nature of it all, um, that it could have been a rough game. Uh, if he's under center and he has enough feeling in that pinky and can put a, put a move on the ball, um, sure. it mm-hmm. gives us another dynamic and another level of accuracy, I think, that we need because, again, you can't you got to hit the open tight ends and the receivers are got to make the, the open catches. So... I think we can. We need to get a rhythm. If we don't get rhythm, we're done. Um, they 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 feed off of confidence right now, and I think that's if they don't have confidence, then it's a it's a very big uphill battle. You know what you 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 make an outstanding point. I agree. It's going to be about confidence. So, how confident in are you in making a score prediction? for this game, Kevin, I'm going to put you on the spot because that's what Scott and I will do here next after I, I get Brian's thoughts. But um, looking at what you've said about the defense and what you've said about the offense, what do you think? And and we're going to do this. So give mm-hmm. us your score prediction, whether or not Casey's starting or whether QB other is starting. What do you think? I think if Casey starts, I think we have a 31, 24 victory. Mm, okay. Um, if if we, I don't think Purdy's going to be in because he's got the high ankle sprain. I think his mobility is going to be limited. Um, yeah. I don't know what Smothers is, what his, what his uh, hiccup in his giddy up is that that kind of kept him out. Um, but as long as he has some mobility and if they're willing to build a game plan around his talents, um, I mean we might pull out a, a it might be a. 24-20 victory. Uh, it would be a, it'll be a single score. Like say it might be the the bleak road. It might be 2017 from the 50 yard. You know the 50 yards to split the uprights to win the game. Um, they're gonna have to control Braylon Allen. If they can control him, I think we got a strong shot. Already, already. So, so you go, said 31, 24 30. with, and okay. we'll go 2017 victory without. 20 to 17 without. Mm-hmm. All righty. So it's a win-win. Win-win. Like win-win for Kevin. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll go with you, Brian. What do you think specifically about those defensive numbers and the comparison between the two teams? And go ahead and give us your score protection prediction if Casey plays or if Casey doesn't play. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, as long as Casey plays, yeah, it, we're going to have a much better shot at winning this game. Uh I'm with you, Kevin. Purdy probably won't be in because of that ankle sprain. And with Smothers in, I just, God, I feel better if it ain't Thompson, you know? So with that, uh, you said Wisconsin's given up just over 200 yards through the air on defense. 
if Thompson's in there, he's going to put that up. And I think he'll put it up considerably, especially with the struggles that Palmer's faced the last two weeks with backups in. Palmer's hungry for that ball right now, and I know Thompson's going to find a way to get it to him. So I, I, I really think that we can move the ball on this defense. It's just going to be a matter of the consistency we can't. And I'm right there with you as well, Scott. I, uh, Not to sound like a dick, but <laughs> I kind of hope Whipple's held out from calling the game. I want to yep. see somebody else <laughs> calling the game. I look, I, um, yeah, it, it's a dick move to say, but I was kind of hoping he wouldn't call the game in the second half. I, it's kind of dickish to say, but it's the truth. Yeah. I just wanted to see what would happen if somebody else would call him plays. Mm-hmm. Do, do you guys think that he's the 40 year old vet that just is not willing to change his ways? That's what they said adjust? about him at Pitt. That's pretty much yeah. the, I, I'd say the evidence, uh, that we have seen since uh, Casey's gone down, it's it, it exactly supports your theory that he's just not willing to change up what he wants to use as, as an offensive game plan, no, no, no matter who's in there, which is, you know, directly on his shoulders that Purdy or Smothers are incapable of actually executing one of his game plans because, you know, it's his offense. If he's not willing to change it to suit somebody's skill set, mm, that scares me. So what are your predictions, Brian? What do you got for a score? I've, I had the score in my head right away as soon as you brought this up. 24-23, Nebraska. Regardless of who plays? Regardless of quarterback play. If Smothers is our guy going in because Thompson can't, I got a feeling with him being at 100%, not feeling ill, hmm. he's going to show some stuff with his legs. He's going to give Wisconsin's defense some problems. 24-23, Nebraska. All righty. All right, Scott. You're up. All right, so I am not as optimistic as as the two of you, which um, <laughs> is probably a good thing because, well, I mean, Kevin already alluded to at the beginning of the podcast that he's going to be at the – well, no, we were talking about this before, before we hit record. Um, he's going to be at the Wisconsin game. Myself and my dad are going to be at the Wisconsin game. Um, so it's – I, I would love to see us win. So I appreciate your guys' optimism. Um, I'm not as high. Um, I think, I think like, like uh, Brian, you know, I, I don't want to beat on a man while he's down, but I mean, I think really the only saving grace that we could have for this game is if somebody else is, is making the calls um, and they've got a week, they've got a week to scheme up something. They've got a week to practice with, with something. Um, when it comes to Smothers or Thompson or who whoever is going to be starting, um, and I really think that it's going to come down to, like I said earlier, how can we how can we uh, how can we dominate time of possession? How can we make field? It, you know, how can we uh, take advantage of field position? And you know, I will uh, I will call you out, Dad, on something, uh, uh-huh. Braylon Allen is a good, is a, no, I mean, you know, I know you, you would agree. He's a good running back, but I mean, he's already got a thousand yards on the season. So it's not like he's going to be a non-factor, but he's definitely going, I think, I think there's going to probably be a a repeat, a repeat of history 
I think that Braylon Allen's going to probably go off on our defense. Um, I think that Michigan really exposed some weaknesses on our offensive line or on our, on our defensive line. Sorry. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they're going to have a heyday with us. I think, Um, do I think it's going to be a high scoring game? No, I actually wrote down the score prediction and then checked the over under in the spread and noticed that I am basically on the money for, for the most part. My score prediction is 27, 16 Wisconsin. Um, and I think it's a close game for most of the game. I just think that when it all comes down to it at the end, I think that Wisconsin just keeps shoving it down our throat and we don't stop them. And they get uh, a, a touchdown near the end of the fourth quarter and ISIS out. So I got 27, 16 Wisconsin and um, I got us 28 to six, or I got us losing 28 to six. If we keep, playing the same offensive playbook that we have been playing all season. I don't think it bodes well in our favor at all, even with all the things that we've considered interim coach with Wisconsin, they're five and five. They just got, they just got their socks knocked off of them by uh, Iowa. Like how did Iowa score 24 points on them? I mean, if there's anything, if there's anything that I can hang my hat on and be like, Oh, maybe, it's like, I mean, Iowa scored 20, 24 points on them. I mean, we should be able to at least score 24 points on them, which makes sense with uh, Brian's prediction. So I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just guarding my heart and preventing it from, <laughs> from all of the pain and suffering. Um, so, yeah, that's my score prediction. 27-16 Wisconsin, and I hope I'm wrong. Well, I'm. You know what, though, you're it, for the pessimist of the podcast, which you know lo, Brian labeled you as when we did our first uh, collab <laughs> a few uh, weeks ago. Um, I'm the more pessimistic one when it comes to score prediction today. Uh, out of all of us, I am as pessimistic as I can get. I just don't know. I know this team's going to come out. I know they're going to fight. I just don't know. I don't know if this defensive line is going to hold up, especially. Mm-hmm if number 11 doesn't run out onto the field. But then you got to factor in the fact that he's still got to play behind that same offensive line, which has done him no favors against good defense. Obviously, Illinois knocked him the hell out of the game. So um, if Casey plays and he doesn't get killed by the line <laughs> or the line not doing their job, um, I think NU keeps it close, but they still lose 31-21. to 21. But if anyone other than number eleven runs out to run this offense, I think NU loses big. I don't think I think they get two field goals instead of one. Uh, but uh, Wisconsin puts up four more points than uh, Michigan did. That's thirty-eight to six. If anybody but Casey runs out there to run the offense, so God, I hate that. Why do I have to be that guy? Why couldn't I be like you guys? I'm sorry. I've tried. I just, I, I can't believe anymore. <laughs> Guys, believe would, you believe, would you have believed as long as we've been Husker fans that we could talk about possibly going three games without scoring an offensive touchdown? No, I couldn't believe it. <sighs> no, no, that, that was, that's just, thanks, Brian. Appreciate hey, no the problem. <laughs> I'm glad to throw in some history stats, you know, I'm willing to help. <laughs> such a good dude. It's all pain. <laughs> it's pain. 
well, before we get to all the social media and follow info for you guys, I just want to quickly announce to uh, those who are watching and listening that uh, next Sunday is going to be cool. Not only are Scott and I going to recap the Wisconsin game, which will hopefully be a lot more optimistic than what I think it's going to be, but after we get done doing that early in the afternoon, we plan to live stream that show probably around 3 or 3.30 next week. Uh, then after that, we're going to join Husker Army Podcast to uh, take a look for a while, take some time, and just examine what it would look like with Mickey Joseph as head coach uh, on a permanent basis. Who knows? We may actually know who the coach is by then, but I doubt it. Uh, so, yes, 4.30 p.m. is when we scheduled that recording. It will not be broadcast live, but it will hit your uh, YouTube feed on Husker Army's YouTube uh, as well as our YouTube, then the next day I will schedule it to stream on our YouTube and I will do our, be- we will do our best to, I think it'll be at like five thirty in the evening. We will do our best to be in the live chat on the stream. So if any of you guys have any questions about anything that we discuss on that podcast, we can uh, sit and interact with you live. So please don't be afraid to get subscribed to our uh, YouTube channel and Husker Army podcast YouTube channel too, because it'll be available there as well. Um, right, Brian? Am I not crazy? Oh, no, you hit that, that perfectly. All right, cool. Uh, and then at six o'clock, we will do another recording uh, where we will host, Scott and I will host a discussion of our top three head coaching candidates uh, for the Nebraska job. And both of these podcasts will also feature other uh, panelists from other podcasts as well. Uh, Aaron from Cobsmacked, who was on our show previewing Indiana, I think it was, Scott, or reviewing Indiana. I don't remember which one it was. He will be on um, as well as Kenny from the Husker Army Pod along with Brian and uh, Andrew Turgell, or Tedrell, I think from big red and more he's coming on. So, uh, and then drunk, Monk, I think is still planning to be on right, Brian. Drunk got Monk, listed, hell yeah. So. I'm planning on getting that man on there with us. That, that so, guy is so optimistic. He's got to join. Yeah. So what we did is we picked our top, each of us picked our top five candidates. And then I kind of waited, uh, with a score for each candidate, which ones ended up being in the top three based on all of our selections. So, should be a lot of fun discussing those top three, and we will do that at 6 p.m. on uh, November 20th, and then I will schedule that stream to drop on our web, on our YouTube page at 5.30 p.m. Tuesday evening, and I plan to be in the chat so that if anybody who's watching or listening to this has any questions about anything that's discussed on that show, I will do my best, and hopefully Scott and some of the others will be there with me too to uh, to talk with you about it. So. It's always fun interacting in the live chat. We really appreciate it. The few people who comment on our shows as we stream. So that pretty much wraps this bad boy up. Kevin, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you on the old Twitterverse? Ah, yeah, you can get me at. <laughs> no, go you know, ahead. You can catch me at, at Huskers fan underscore 76. So appreciate cool. you having me on. This was a, this was a very great time. Dude, this was an absolute blast. Glad you came on. And you will know that you have found the right Twitter account when you see the ginormous red Hulk with the N in his chest. That's that's Kevin. You won't miss it. Um, And then, Brian, how about you? Where do we find you as well as your podcast on Twitter? Yeah, it's pretty easy to find us, guys. I mean, Twitter, Instagram, at Husker Army Pod. You can find us on YouTube. 
uh just search husker army podcast if you just google us come to find out we pop up pretty easy Very yeah nice. i was kind of shocked how quickly we popped up on google nowadays too it didn't used to not be that way back in the day so apparently once you get a lot of content out there google likes it so uh anyway yeah that's cool awesome you know you can follow us on social media as well just go to genredpod.com and click a Click on the social links at the top of the page. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel for all of our past content. And then ring that bell so you don't miss any of our future stuff. And also make sure you like any video you watch to help folks find the show out there. To listen to the audio-only version of our show, search for Generation Red in your favorite podcast app. Subscribe and then please take a couple of minutes to leave us a rating and a review. It really helps folks find us out there as well. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks to Brian and to Kevin for being on here with us. He's Scott. He's my son in whom I am well pleased. And I am his dad, Ken. And together we are not just family. We're Generation Red. And we are here to remind you week after week that there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. Iowa's corn sucks. Go Big Red. Hell yeah. Go Big Red. We will see you all next time. And Brian, we will see you next Sunday afternoon. Absolutely, gentlemen. Can't wait. All righty. Thanks again, Kevin. Thanks again. Appreciate it. You bet. Later, guys.